out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing. There is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other does make sense. Hi everyone. Today I speak with my new friend, drug and alcohol rehabilitation facility owner, Sandra de Villiers. That was quite a mouthful, drug and alcohol rehabilitation facility owner. Wow. Sandra owns and manages Step Away Rehab Facility in Port Elizabeth. You can find her at www.stepaway.co.za. In this episode of Meet Me in the Field, Sandra takes us on a beautiful journey of a life filled with chaos and despair to a living committed to helping others with addiction problems. I thoroughly enjoyed her openness about her dark days and could identify with a lot of what we chatted about. People who do not have addiction issues may find it strange how we can laugh at ourselves in addiction. This I see as a gift of recovery. I am not my illness and I have learned to not take myself so damned seriously. This podcast is supported by The First Layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There's also a 24-day step coaching and counseling program available based on the first layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. Please also look out for information on my new book, Life for Non, a 12-step guide to life for non-addicts. You can find it by following the link from the right of my homepage. It costs 300 rand without postage. Order from me in my shop at www.freddyshop.co.za This is Sandra's story. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Sandra, good morning. Welcome to Meet Me in the Field. How are you doing? Well, good morning, Freddy. And it's an absolute pleasure and it's so good to meet you because we've been on email and we've been discussing things and we've been buying books and we've been I've been reading all your books awesome. but uh, it's lovely to see you to see you lovely to meet you life. as well I've interviewed people from that I met on Twitter because you met me on LinkedIn am I right that's right yes yeah so you're my first LinkedIn connection that I have on oh wow Wonderful, wonderful. Awesome. So, so we are breaking new grounds today. That's awesome to do it. And you are currently sitting in Port Elizabeth, am I correct? That's right, yes. Awesome. For a minute I thought, oh my God, she's in East London. I just made a mistake. No, Port Elizabeth. You are the owner of a drug and alcohol rehab facility or an addiction rehab facility, am I correct? Yes, that's correct. Drug and alcohol rehab facility, step away treatment center, which... Awesome. Um, is registered by the Department of Social Development. Huge process. Takes forever to get it done. Yeah. But if I look back now from where I actually found recovery in March 2011, um, my life just changed 180 degrees. Totally awesome. changed from an absolute drunk in the morning straight through. I always say I never got a hangover because yeah. I was never without Never. <laughs> I, I had the same. I, I couldn't understand so, people that, that had withdrawal systems because I didn't withdraw. I just got more. It's as easy as that. It's, yeah. Yeah. All the time. Yes. Absolutely. My clean date, here it is on my op palm, 28 March. Oh, my word. Um, that is, that yes. is my husband's birthday. So I shall remember you, oh, well, your well, clean date. Yeah. yeah where I'm, I'm, I, you know. Oh, sorry, I, I, took my, I took a couple of years before I did the tattoo, though. I, I waited 
I was probably seven years sober. I'm now nine years sober. Before I decided I was going to put my date on my Awesome. Wrist. Fabulous. Because it's got so much money. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is really, I don't know. I get the feeling it's very much for you as well. Where I love that saying that says, we have two important dates in our lives. The date that we are born and the date we, we realize why we are born or why we were born. Yeah. And, yes. and for me, my reason for why I was born came clear when I, when I was clean for a while. And I realized that, that this, is, this yeah. is why I need to be. This is what I need to do. So let, let, let's go and find the journey. There's so many questions I want to ask about okay. Step Away because I can just imagine the guts it takes to say, I'm going to open a rehab. So yeah. hats off to yeah. you. Hats off to you, young lady. Well done. <laughs> so, well, um, if I look back now and everything I had to go through to get it open, if I think back, I, number one, don't know how I did it because I just got sober. I had three children at school. Oh I had God. no money. And I started studying psychology. I don't know how I did it at that time. I actually did not know how to open a rehab. I used to sit in the middle of the night Googling how to open a rehab. Yeah. And then all the rehabs would just pop up. Until once I saw this <laughs> little icon that said Department Social Development. When I went onto that site, that's how I started. And I have to say today that I really started this from the ground. I knew nothing. Yeah. I knew absolutely Wonderful. nothing. Wonderful. <laughs> so, but, 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 but we'll get to, 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 to that part of the journey more because we are, I, I get the feeling we're dealing with a little bit of insanity. But <laughs> totally. <laughs> Not a little bit, a hell of a lot. So, a Sandra... Lot. Are you, are you Eastern Cape born and bred? Yes. I grew up in Jeffreys Bay. I oh, finished wow. the trick there. Then Lovely. Started Ooh, surfer chick. And uh, yes, come from the surfing background um, and uh, then finished my matric at uh, Nikumalani Newmansdorp and then uh, came to PE, studied here and uh, started my life here. Never, never, ever dreamt I would ever be an alcoholic because my... <laughs> My father died of alcoholism when he was 55. Oh, my word. Um, my mother is now 80, and she's been in recovery for only three years. Oh, my word. That's wonderful. She's a fun functional alcoholic all her life, even long after I stopped drinking. And three years ago, she said, my child, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore, and it's oh. been three years. And I actually thought at that age – let it go. She's never yeah. going to stop. And she actually did, which is brilliant. And do you think that was, that was part of her seeing you, you sobering up and, and how your life has changed, that she decided, but this is yes. what I want? That's amazing. Definitely. 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 That is that. fucking and awesome. I think the way she saw, she saw the change. And yeah. she said, how are you doing all of this? And I said to my mother, if I could get sober, yeah. I can do anything. <laughs> Because I think that was the most difficult thing yeah. I ever did was getting sober. Yeah. I, I make a point of when I, when I share, when I speak to newcomers, when I speak to clients, is reiterate to them yes. that early recovery is fucking difficult. Be kind to yourself. Be, just, just relax into it because this is but not we never do. easy. No. No, of course not. I mean, it took me virtually a, a, a suicide attempt at two years clean. Yeah. And my, 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 my counselor sitting me down and said to me, Freddie, you need to look me in the eye today and listen to what, you, to what I'm saying is you are not perfect. 
You're never going to be perfect and you need to stop trying or you're going to die trying. And that was a, a phenomenal yep. day in my life because I realized that I tried to be the perfect recovering addict. Yes. And, and, and we can't. And, and yeah. To grasp the, what the AA says, to grasp progress rather than perfection. Absolutely. You actually have to get up in the morning and say that to yourself. Yeah. Because what also kills us, especially the first couple of years, for me in any event, is the guilt. Yes. You know, my youngest daughter was nine when I got sober, oh, and my, wow. my oldest daughter was 15. I mean, damage has been done. I yeah. cannot for a moment today think damage wasn't done. Yeah. We don't know how that is maybe going to manifest itself later in life, yeah. but the only thing I can do, I've made my amends, I've said I'm sorry. My kids are saying, Mom, you know what? It's past. You are so wonderful now. We have forgotten about it. But I don't forget. Mm. I need to forgive myself. Yeah. And that takes such a long time. And what I've learned as well is that I didn't, I didn't figure that out until four years ago. So I was about six years yep. clean when I was busy doing step nine again. And my sponsor at that stage said to me, so you're ready to, to go out into the world and ask forgiveness? Oh, yeah, absolutely. She said, well, so why don't we start with you forgiving yourself? But I've done that wow. a long time ago. She said, <laughs> yeah. well, maybe you yeah. think so, but, but from working with you from step one to step nine, that's kind of not the feeling I get. So why don't we start with yeah. you starting in front of your mirror every morning and say, I love you, I forgive you. Yeah. Sandra, I nearly, I nearly threw up in my basin that first yeah. morning that I had to do it. I could... I could not look myself in the eye and say that. And I realized that I've fallen yeah. back into, in, into, into unforgiveness again, which is ridiculous. So it was an amazing, amazing journey again at six years to realize that forgiveness is yes. as a commitment to be in recovery every day. To forgive myself is a, is a commitment every yes. day. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Totally. So did you grow up with religion or spirituality? Yes. Strict in Oh, my God. I'm raising my hand. Character and the whole thing. And you know what? Probably long, even while I was drinking, I still prayed. I still said, Oh God, please, you know, I'm reading my Bible and I've got to stop drinking. And I don't know when it happened that I actually realized, and this is for me and this is totally personal, but yeah. the Bible to me, the AA big book is my Bible. Yeah. I don't read the Bible. I do believe in a, a higher power. I believe that God lives inside of me. Yep. He gives me the ability to think things through, to make things happen. But I am not at all a, a Christian. I do not believe in that. I'm also yeah. more on the science side of things. You know, when I went to AA in the beginning, I was also very wary of this. It sounded like a Ku Klux Klan, the first yeah. couple of meetings, you know, all the things that goes on there. <laughs> and they just said to me, keep coming back. And I thought, oh, well, I've got nothing to lose. I will keep coming back. Yeah. And for many months, I went to AA. And, uh, you know, when you usually say, hi, my name is Sandra. I'm an alcoholic. I would actually get up because I love talking. I'd say, my name is Sandra. I'm not going to say an alcoholic because I don't know. It oh, took such word. a long time <laughs> to accept. Oh, well. All the signs were there. The signs so, were there that I'd been in and out of psychiatric hospitals and drips and Oh. I had been everywhere. So what part of denial, that was the best part of denial. I need to tell you this though. 
after that meeting where I said I'm not an alcoholic, a very old friend of mine, he's about 40 years sober, really carried me a, a lot through this. I had a female a sponsor as per the rules, but he kind of took me under his wing and he said to me one day at that meeting, he said, you sound like you think you don't have a problem, so maybe you don't. Why don't you go out and go and try some control drinking? Yeah. And I thought, wow, this is brilliant. I went out, I bought some wine. I said, I'm going to have like a decent person, not out of the box. I'm going to just have a little bit in a glass. I ended up drinking two boxes and driving to buy more wine. And I got home with it. And my husband had just arrived home. And he, he saw me in the driveway and he said, you've been drinking. And for the first time in my life, I did not lie. And I said, you know what? I have. I cannot control drink. Yeah. I cannot. We poured it out. It was the end of it. I went back to AA, got up and I said, my name is Sandra and I'm definitely an alcoholic. Oh, fabulous. That, that is such a nice story because I've heard, I've heard it often said where people say, well, if you don't think you are, then they're going to try and control it. And you're the first person who I've heard that actually went out and tried to control it. I went out and tried to control it. And it, it was so quick that I realized I can't. No. And once you surrender, if you surrender, it's so difficult. And I even read that in your book, uh, uh, Life and On. I mean, it, it, I think it's a brilliant book. And I think it's something Thank you that so people much. need to, they need to keep on reading it. It's almost like a reference book. Yeah. You can carry on. You can, I can read that book 10 times because I'm going to keep on learning something from it. And I think that's what makes it so brilliant. But the oh. part where I read as well, we need to, it's easy to say, I'm going to surrender. Are you really surrendering? Yeah. When are you really surrendering? And, yes. and that's difficult. This is a process that carries on for the rest of your life. Absolutely. It doesn't stop. And life on its own terms is difficult. Yes. So being an, an addict or alcoholic, yeah. life doesn't become easier out there. We just Absolutely. need to deal with it. Then. Yeah. So at what stage of your life did you start drinking? Or did you realize that alcohol was becoming a problem? You know, Freddie, I was very athletic. Um, I didn't even drink. I never drank at school. I never drank at university. I was May I ask you how old you is? Like, sorry for interrupting you so terribly with such a rude I'm, question no, as well. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm 51. I, I sometimes have to think, am I 51 or two? But I'll, I'll be 52 in June. Okay. And I got sober when I was, what, 52, uh, 42, round about there. I was a social drinker for many years when I got married. And I think... It just progressively, it's like we always say, we don't wake up one morning and you're an alcoholic. Absolutely. It progressively got worse and it got to a stage where I think when I would drink, have a few drinks before we go out on yeah. my own in secret. And I, I wasn't somebody that ever went to pubs. I was secretly drinking at home and you would yeah. find empty green Robertson boxes of wine hidden all over my house mm -hmm. from the geezer to the boot, to under the spare wheel, in the tumble dryer, everywhere. Insisted on having I long, long curtains. I love the curtains kind of flowing out onto the floor because you could easily hide the alcohol behind the curtain. <laughs> anyway, anyway. And, you know, I, I think I just, uh, and then I became, I actually realized when I woke up in the morning at about five feeling very sick. And I knew, I don't know how we know this, I would feel sick and nauseous, but I knew that if I had a drink, yeah. I'd feel better. I think that's where it, it really started. 
Is it having that drink at five o'clock, two or three drinks even, quickly downing them, just to get take the edge off so that when I have to wake the kids for six at six o'clock for school, I would like be fine. Yeah. I'd be no shakes, no nausea, no nothing. And I manipulated my way through this. I think we are expert mm. liars and manipulators. Absolutely. Because I hid this illness from my husband for years. Yeah. Before it actually came out and there was nothing left, yeah. you know. When my ex husband started calling friends and family and said Freddie's in rehab, they could What? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. What? Why? Freddie. <laughs> yeah. And and True. I was a, and I was a coke and dope and addict and alcoholic. Yes. So I just yes. I was a master manipulator. So, at what stage did you stop going to church? Oh, you need to hear this first. <laughs> while I was having this drinking problem, this. <laughs> while I was having this drinking problem, I'm now going to go to church. This is ah, going to save me. So right now, okay, everybody knows I'm drinking too much. So I get in my car and. I drive just outside the church. I have a few sips of wine. Good excuse Not to get out on Sunday morning. Yeah. <laughs> going to church, get out, have some more wine. In the end, I wasn't going to church. I would tell them I'm going to church, buy wine, go to a friend, drink way too much, and then come back after church. Oh that was word. my going to church. <laughs> so that, that didn't work for me at all. So, <laughs> so you even manipulated um, that system. <laughs> Totally. But uh, even before that, I, I, I didn't for many years. Um, uh, my husband's also pretty much, he's not a, a believer himself. And um, so, although we had our oldest daughter, well, actually both my kids are baptized, but they did not grow up whatsoever in a religious house. Okay. And each of them to their own. Our oldest daughter is also um, completely atheist. Uh, believes in science. She's busy with her masters in, in environmental science. Oh my word! Not at all awesome. In it. Totally uh, a bookworm. And my youngest one, she's the rebel. But uh, yeah, she's um, she's just also got her own thing, you know. Awesome. She does believe, and I said, yeah. you know what? Whatever makes you happy, yeah. and whatever you want to believe, that's fine. Fantastic. So now you get sober. And you decide, I'm going to open a rehab. Take me through that thought process. What made you decide that you want to open a rehab? I mean, most well, people decide I want to become know, a counselor. When, you know, when I thought Elizabeth does not have uh, many facilities. Okay, you've got, you've got really more like a uh, kibbutz kind of uh, really rough places okay. that you don't really want to send it. What do not they call them? Peer, 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 peer recovery centers, yeah. which is working know, camps. But the way I look at it, they work yeah, camps. working camps. Yeah. But besides that, we've got Valbeduft, which has been operating for many, many years, probably 35 years. My husband had kind of had enough of me. It was going into hospital on a drip and then I'm clean. And by the time we drive into the driveway, I'm already at the first bottle of booze. Oh, wow. So how I got sober was an absolute nightmare because my daughter, my oldest daughter, who was then 15, brought me a telephone number. And she said, phone this place. She got it from a friend at school, Sanka. It was Sanka was at that time still open in Port Elizabeth. And oh, the good old I went days. down to this. 
listen, but I went down to that place and I walked in there, you know, my husband's in the law, he's an advocate and we see ourselves, or let me put it this way, we, we're middle-class people. So for me, it was, you know, I need to go to a fancy hospital. I need to have special treatment mm -hmm. and crispy white sheets. And But that morning after I, I took the telephone number, we went down to this place and I walked in there and I was as sick as a dog. I was in bad withdrawal. I was vomiting. I had a I had a cloth with me and a little bucky and the whole thing. Ugh. And I sat on the floor at the lift and I was as sick as, and I held on to my husband's leg and look, he had had enough of me by then. And I said, please take me away. They were cues of people. And I said, please just take me to a doctor. I don't belong here between these addicts and people, these funny people. And he looked down at me and he said, this is exactly where you belong. Oh wow! And when it got, to the time that I had to see the nurse, she said, oh, said to my husband, your wife can die. She's going to have a seizure. She can die. She needs to be detoxed Im immediately. And he said, you know what? If she dies, she dies. Tell me what I can give her. I'll lock her up in the room. Yeah. And that's oh, how wow. I did my – I went every day. I mm. saw the nurse. I had a vitamin B injection, which helped. Zero for me. I was such a heavy alcoholic. Came home, long story short, two, three times a day, my bedding had to be cleaned. It was soaking wet. I was sweating. I was vomiting Whoa, for Sandra. three to four <gasps> days. I could not leave my room. I was locked in my room. I had an ensuite, which I could use the bathroom. I could not sleep. I used to rub my feet together. It felt like everything was crawling under my skin, that my feet started bleeding. That's how oh bad it was. God. For a week. And my husband said, I'm not taking you to the emergency room. This is how you're going to do it. Which today, now that I know much more, is completely, it's dangerous. I don't condone it whatsoever. I think people need to have, be weaned off, need to have proper detox. But okay, that's the way it worked with me. And it, yeah. and it worked because I got sober. But I don't think that is what caused me to stop drinking. Because remember, a month after that, I still went to AA saying I'm not an alcoholic. So suddenly I was feeling better. But it took me 10 days, Freddie, before I could write oh after word. detoxing. I could not sign my name on the register for the group sessions at Sanka on a Friday. I had to oh. ask somebody to do it. That is how bad it was. Oh, my and, but God. But the problem then was, you asked about the rehab, why I actually opened a rehab, is there were no rehabs for me to go to. I would have yeah. to go to Cape Town. The co-payment on medical aids would have been so much. It, it, it was just a nightmare. And when I started recovering and I started reading and I decided I was going to start studying, and I, I'm honestly saying I got my psych degree in my bed. I love sitting in my bed. I did everything <laughs> and I got my psychology degree in the same time that I opened the rehab. And I just thought there's such a need for it. Yeah. But it was a huge struggle. The first, the first three, four years was a really huge wow. struggle because people didn't believe it was going to work. They were thinking this alcoholic addict trying to run a rehab, she's going to relapse and blah, 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 you know. But I was... I was clever enough to know I cannot do this on my own. I need yeah. to get the professionals in to do the professional work. Awesome. I need the book people. 
that have got the knowledge. And then I needed an addiction counselor who'd been through the process. Yeah. And that's how it started. Awesome. And from there, we just started rolling and rolling and rolling. And yeah. uh, I, I kept my lines open. I kept contact with, um, with Amanda, who is the owner of Valbeduft. Incidentally, I ended up with them as well. I ended up there during my stints of drinking. Okay. So the two of us have, have got quite a special relationship because I used to actually be a patient of hers and now we like helping each other. Have you got a bed for one of my clients? No, okay. have you got a bed for one of mine? You know? So we try and keep it really teamwork yeah. over Oh, here. awesome. That's wonderful. So did you study your, your psychology through UNISA? Yes, yes. Okay. Did it through UNISA. I really did it really only for a little bit of knowledge. Um, you know, I've been to university before. I've I've got uh, degrees and diplomas. I've 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 done that bit. Yeah. But I I wanted the knowledge, and in hindsight, I must be honest. I would have done social work because yeah. my passion lies with the families. Yeah. Oof. Seeing what my family went through. You know, when I went to Sanka, they said, "Okay, now you've got a counsellor. Now we need to appoint your social worker." And my words were. I don't need a social worker. We're not poor. <laughs> you know, we've got this perception that I social that workers, are like, they hand out food parcels. That's not, that's not the case. These people do a tremendous job. That's exactly um, my, my picture I had in my head of social workers as well until I, I, I came into recovery. And I thought, oh my God, there are so many. Absolutely. Yeah. Freaky. So did you do your honors, your master's? How far did you go with, with the psychology? No. I, I just did my degree and then I was contemplating doing honors, but because I would never practice, even if I got into a master's program, yeah. I think for me personally, management of my center is key because yeah. I need to manage it and make sure everybody can survive and that yeah. everything runs smoothly. Yeah. And then I think I'm busy writing a book, but you won't believe it. I lost the laptops gone as well as the flash drive with my book on it. Oh, no. I don't know. I hid it, I hid it so far away, I can't find it. <laughs> it will pop up somewhere, but otherwise I'm going to have to start from scratch. So I want to write a book about my life and awesome. actually more about life after recovery. You, need, you know, you, need, you read so many books yes. where the whole book is about the using yes. and chapter, the last chapter is about the recovery. Yep. My book must be my first two, three chapters about my getting into recovery, my bad days, and then how do you live life yes. once you've recovered? Sandra, that, that was my problem, hey? That That was why I wanted yeah. to commit suicide at two years clean because I, I really, really wanted to be clean. And yeah. I didn't have a problem staying clean, but I had a problem living life clean. I did not That's know it. how to You don't to want to be engage. a dry drunk. Yes, I did not know how to yeah. engage with life. I could, I could apply the pr principles of the program, but to relax into it and to just live life as a clean and sober person was extremely difficult. So please do that. Share that knowledge. Share that experience. Because there's a lot of that's people out there who don't know how to do it. And I would have read your that's book. That's the key. And I mean, I get people into the rehab who have been 10, 15 years clean. And then think that I've got a bit of insomnia. I'm going to have a drink at night just to help me sleep. Yeah. And within a month, they're drinking more than they did 15 years yeah. ago. So 
I see this all the time. And I keep on reminding myself that it's not a once of, wow, I'm recovered, now I'm carrying on. This is a work in progress for the rest of your life. So for me, I would want to, I would like to do motivational speaking at some time. Awesome. I think um, that would be good for me, that I would like to get my story out there, that there's always hope and that your life can change so dramatically. And everything in my life has changed. The way I see things, confrontations, things that I just Mm. avoid. Life is just too short, you know? Think of me whatever you like. I actually don't care as long as I know how I feel. I just saw a client now before before you for for an hour, and that was the topic of our conversation today. It's just kind of, you know, the – Ultimately, the, the, the those who matter don't care, and those who care don't matter. So, um, so fuck them. <laughs> that, yep. that, that's my Absolutely. attitude. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Today, what is your concept of a higher power? Do do, do you have an idea in your head, or or is it just in the type of an energy, or, or or what is it? I will tell you what. You know, when I when I got into AA and I went to a rally in George, and there was a guy in the AA that I said to him, I don't know what and who my higher power is. And he said to me, you can make me your higher power for now. You can do that. Make the AA your higher power. But just believe that there's something greater than yourself. You are not it. And I am not it. I don't make the rain. I don't make the sun come up. So there's got to be something bigger than me. And I think over the time, for me, I just feel there is a God, there's something bigger than me that has given me a brain, a mind to think. You know, at the end of last year, I went through a very difficult time financially with my rehab. I had some issues and some problems. And at that time, I was thinking, you know what? God gave me a mind to think. Yeah. And I can't just sit here and say, oh, God, please help me. I need money for the rehab and wait for it to fall out of the yeah. air. doesn't work like that. The action. So what I do, I say my serenity prayer in the morning. Accept what I cannot change and change the things I can. So I do whatever I can. Yeah. And once I've done that, I let it go. I think so I many of, of us put a full stop after that first sentence, except the things we cannot change. We don't go over to the next sentence and say, but, but there, there might be some things that you can do, that you can change. There are things that you can change. And when you see, I have done, once I see, I've done everything in my power. I can't think of no. anything else. I have to hand it over, let it go. But for me, a higher power is just my brain and something that makes me calm inside. Awesome. I call it God. I don't know who it is. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But I used to get panic attacks my whole life. Since wow. the day I got sober, I've never had a panic attack. Wow. I've never had it again. <laughs> it just disappeared. Yeah. With all of the other things. And that's how I live my life. Amazing. So there's, there's one other question that I wanted to ask earlier. And, one thing that a lot of people have a serious problem with when they start a rehab is the zoning of the property that they run the rehab from. Oh. 
Not me. Did, did, you, not did, did you have me. the same shit? <laughs> Look, I started, when I started, I was actually very lucky. When I started, when I got sober, obviously didn't have a job. I got all out my gut getrek, bugged that up completely. So I didn't have a job. And every morning I tried to get this rehab going. So I worked for a, for an estate agency because I was in life insurance for like 17 years. So I've always been in sales. I've always been that kind of thing. So I joined an estate agency and I was sitting, it was my turn to sit at the desk in the front. And I had this English gentleman coming in saying, I have a guest house down the road. Now I live in the UK and I don't know what to do with it. Yes. The penny dropped. I said, oh. I've got a brilliant idea. Let's meet. And we changed. He basically did the funding and we changed it and it had a different name. Then it was called Richmond Lodge. It was very small. And that's where I got my first license. And then I decided, well, you know, he's in the UK and he is, this is not really what he wants to do. Got no passion for it. There's not a lot of money in it for him. So he wanted out. And I kind of played for time and I said, you know, just wait. But in the meantime, I'd already applied for a license for myself because I knew how. I had done this process before, found a premises, took me a year to get my special consent and off we go. Just for the owner to say, no, I want it back for a B&B. Then oh, I no. found the premises I am in that I've been in now for the last five years. Oh my God. But we didn't have a, I had a license, but I had moved the premises, which was a huge problem because you cannot, it's the premises that gets the license. Yeah. You can't just move from house A to house B. Mm. You've, house B has got to have the special consent. And where I am now is a 4.8 hectare piece of land with a big property on it. And I had to actually rezone that. I had to first do the rezoning and yeah. then get the special content. And for in that time, social development allowed me to continue on my old license. Okay. But it, it was costly. It was, a, it was a massive cost to do the rezoning and to get that done. I actually had to go to my attorneys and I had to force them with legal action. What do you mean? Action. Go to my attorneys, kind of, kind of nudge your husband in the bed and say, hey. <laughs> No, he's in criminal law. He doesn't know a thing. So no point. But Damn. luckily my brother-in-law. <laughs> so, so what the hell the are you doing with him? <laughs> this, the, I married the wrong brother. The other one's the director of the private. He's got his own civil uh, 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 law firm. So I went through him. And I said, Guta, you got to help me now. Luckily, yeah. he knew the mayor very well enough. That way I, I was able to get it quick enough. Okay. And then my first last five-year license expired in November last year, and I was issued with a, with a new license in December. So license-wise, I'm sorted for the next five years. Cool. So this is a, 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 a five-year. This is a, a thing that has to renew every five years. I don't know that. Every five. Oh wow. Every five years, but in those five years, like once or twice a year, you get monitored by social development. They'll come to you. They want to check your client files. They want to check everything: your fire equipment, your yeah. evacuation plan. Do you do this? Do you do that? Oh your kitchen, your whole thing. It's really a massive process. And Ugh. then uh, they do the monitoring and they usually always find something wrong. And then you got to fix that. But they don't take the license away. Okay. They're kind of, they're supposed to be there to look and see that everything's running yeah. fine. But it doesn't really work that way. And uh, so within five years, so let's say four and a half years, then I just inform them. My license is expiring. Please remember, it's got to be renewed. So I think okay. 
after many years, I've, I've got, uh, I'm over that hurdle now. Okay, you, you, you now understand the process. Because there's so many places in Cape yeah. Town where they open the rehab and realize that they can't get their license because yeah. the property is not yes. zoned perfectly. And for some of yeah. these people, I know one specific treatment center, when I got to know them, they weren't licensed. And this is now 10 years later, and I'm not sure they're licensed yet. It's the problem is if you're not licensed, you're not you licensed, you can't claim for medical aid. Exactly, yeah. So, so, so they cater mostly aid. for overseas clients. Yeah. And, and the problem is I've had a lot of people from overseas as well. Um, if I say a lot, I'm, I'm talking over the years. I've had like one a month, maybe next month another one. But I do get that. I actually had a guy in my rehab. I had to go and fetch him at the Lynx golf course. He was so drunk. The oh, golf man. course in St. Francis phoned me and they said, just come and fetch this guy. It was over Christmas or something. Uh, a couple of years ago, I went and fetched him there and I took him to my rehab and I nursed him there for two months and he went back to Sweden. He's a businessman there and he's involved in a rehab in Sweden and we're now busy with, okay, lockdown can just finish. We are in the process of signing an agreement where we can actually cater because they've only got an outpatient oh, where cool. they can send their people to Sweden to step away. So awesome. he oh, recovered that's a wonderful brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. That's beautiful. But, you know, without medical aids, we can't make it. Yeah. There's just no way. Definitely we can make not, it. no. It's that, just that, too that, expensive. Awesome. Sandra, I've tried to keep my chats to about 45 minutes. Because I've, I've realized right. that I don't have the patience or the, or the, the concentration span to listen to longer chats and that. So, so why, <laughs> how can I expect? You sound like my husband. <laughs> he, he reads one chapter and then he's read for the month. I can sit down and read a whole book in a day. <laughs> no, don't, don't send me a, a, a link with, a, with an hour chat. I'm not going to listen to it. I'm, I'm, I'm just not going yeah. to do it because that, that's not the top. Yeah. I, I can't sit still for that long, um, even though I would love to. But and not that I'm ADHD or something. It's just that I don't have the time. I think it's quite normal. People don't want to yeah. listen to you like 15, 20, half an hour. I can things. always think of to. something else to do. To, to do that, that, that that's more worthy of that hour than, than that. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my little pink heart. And so I'm so, okay, so, brilliant. so chuffed that you agreed to come and talk to me. And thank you again Wonderful. for supporting me with, with, with my books. Definitely and will I'm, more because I've got people from the outside all buying my books that are supposed to be for my <laughs> that are in the Ooh, rehab. So yes. the moment the lockdown stops, my next order is coming in. Oh, you Everybody go, wants the Yippee. Books. Oh, fabulous. And brilliant. I'm going to put a link to you to your rehab in the link to the chat so people can find you yes. via that route as well. And thank you so okay. much for all the amazing work you do. Keep it up. Thank you. Awesome. Have a and wonderful. Thank you for you. And so glad that I met you and I'm sure that we can build this relationship and we can get it all out there. And no, just no for doubt the one it. last thing, whatever you, people that want to open rehabs, people, please, if you do not have a special consent with your zoning, forget it. Absolutely. Unfortunately, it's like you don't know what's first, the chicken or the egg. Yeah. But that's the way you got to go. Yeah. A friend of mine, we, we met in the rooms here and they, him and his wife moved to Johannesburg. He called me a while ago and said, kind of, we, we're opening a rehab. Um, are you interested in coming up to council for us? And I said to him, um, have you signed yet? He said, no, not yet. I said, well, check the zoning. And a few weeks later, check we it. spoke again and in, uh, not happening. No. <laughs> so not happening. very, very NHR, important. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, 
I'm just praying they're going to put NHR on us for another five years because I don't know what's going to happen to rehabs when NHR oh, kicks in. God, no, let's but I think we've got oh. no... We've, I don't know. We'll cross that bridge. Let's take it one day at a time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Have a wonderful rest of your Easter Monday and spoil yourself with an extra Thank egg on me. You. <laughs> okay, look after yourself. I've already Thank eaten you. all of them. I've got nothing. <laughs> Oh, I've eaten them all. I'm a chocoholic. I've frozen now my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Look after yourselves then. Thank, thank you. you right. Bye. What a fabulous 45 minutes of my life this was. I feel as if I had made a soul sister in my developing friendship with Sandra. We met when she sent me an email asking to order Life and Non-Books. She found me on LinkedIn and wanted a book to offer support to the loved ones of the clients going through treatment in her facility. I think that's a brilliant idea because the loved ones of addicts are very often neglected in the recovery process. I sent her a thank you copy of the first layer with the Life and Non consignment. She was so impressed with Life and Non and the first layer that she presented the first layer to a clinical team who took it on board as the working guide for their clients. Not only am I extremely grateful for the business, but even more so for a new friend and for Sandra agreeing to share her spiritual journey with us. I honestly wish Sandra and her team had step away all of the best in bringing recovery to the ones coming through their door. By the way, I looked at the Step Away website. Oh, what a beautiful venue. Well done, Sandra. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za, or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddy Counselor, or on Twitter at, at RensburgFreddy or Instagram at Freddy Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an IE at the end. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye.